0: In the West, I come back to Britain and we're so busy. You know, everyone's schedules are jammed packed. That if something spontaneous happens, it's almost like we don't have time or capacity to be able to, to cope with that. So that would be one of my sort of uncomfortable pointers, I guess, for challenges for people here is, are you making time to spend with people who aren't believers? Uh, and if not, you're probably not going to have many, kind of gospel conversations you know
1: hello and welcome to the serve asia podcast where you find stories interviews and interesting discussions about how the good news of jesus is being shared with the peoples of east asia uh, I'm not alone in uh, this recording studio today. I'm joined by um, my my line manager, Chris. Hi, Chris. Hi, Ryan. Uh, Hi, you're you right. Yeah, I'm good. It's it's great to be on the podcast. Chris, you're my line manager. What what is your other than being my line manager? What do you do at OMF UK?
2: So I started working for OMF 2010, and I actually was doing a really similar job to Ryan at that time. Now. I find myself as what we call here the communications manager. So it, basically that means that I run uh, a small team of us who look at helping people to understand more what RMF is about. So why do we want to help East Asians hear and know more about Jesus? More often than not, though, it's, it's a very behind-the-scenes role, I guess. And it's yeah working w- with the team, making sure that RMF has a presence in the, in the Christian sphere, I guess. So that's supporting people who are going out and talking about RMF in churches. It's also making sure that there's publicity materials available. It's helping initiatives such as yourself setting up this podcast when you, you come and say, I think podcasts are a good space that IMF could be in, think we've got things to say about. It's my job to maybe interrogate that idea mm. and find out
1: is, is that gonna work? How's it gonna work? Great. Yeah, yes so i just wanted to introduce chris to you because chris is the one who actually conducted our interview uh, for today's episode um chris who was it that you interviewed
2: yeah we managed to get a, a really interesting guy onto the podcast uh, we're going to call him rob for for the remainder of the conversation um due to the nature of his his work actually it's quite exciting this is sort of have someone we've got to keep a little bit secret on the podcast so i'm going to refer to him as rob you'll hear his his real voice and, and all that kind of stuff and, and he talks uh, in, in good detail about, about what he's doing and what he's going up to in East Asia. And I first met him a few years ago, basically in, in, in my job here in OMF. I was at an event and Rob came and, and shared about his, his life and his ministry and sort of his, his really interesting background as a marine biologist and how that's led him amazingly into, into work at Crossing Cultures. And so when we were chatting about the podcast, I, I think I mentioned to you, like, oh, it'd be really great to get this guy on. He's got great stories. He's really exciting. And he's just got a really different background to maybe what people might think. You know, who works with OEMF? Who do they send over to East Asia yeah. uh, to to introduce people to Jesus? And he's just from a, maybe a really different, unexpected background. And so it's quite exciting to talk to him.
1: Great. It is, it's, a, it's a really great interview. I, I've really enjoyed listen, listening back to Chris and, and Rob's conversation, and um, I really hope you guys enjoy it as well. And so, we're just going to go into the interview and, uh, and we'll speak to you on the other side.
2: Can you tell us a little bit about, about yourself, um,
0: about your, your family? So, I've got three kids uh and uh, they're great fun two boys and a girl really full of beans obviously one wife and um yeah they're a lot of fun they really enjoy life they're full of energy and they also love uh, yeah the outdoors climbing volcanoes and mountains and uh yeah sea things like that
2: cool and you grew up here in the uk
0: i did yeah i was here for sort of 25 27 years before i went overseas um, yeah, I'm still pretty English, you know, coming back is always nice. Like putting on an old pair of slippers, you come back, feel comfortable. You know, I, I like match of the day. Yeah. It's good to be back when we're back.
2: Right. Um, And what were you doing before you headed overseas? What, what, what's kind of your, your educational professional background uh,
0: before becoming a, a, a worker overseas? Wow. Well, yeah. So I'm a bit of a freak because uh, basically when I was young, I, I just fell in love with the ocean and with everything to do with fish. And so I said it's a bit of a freak because um, I don't meet many people who are so fish obsessed as me. Uh, and so there were two things going on when I was young. If I wasn't a Premier League footballer, and I think my days are numbered now, there's still that glimmer that maybe there's still, you know. but when Michael Owen retired, he's the same age as me. I thought, okay, that's it. But anyway, when that didn't happen, I really wanted to get involved in marine biology and things like that. So then I I studied, uh, undergraduate, did a master's degree and I actually worked in conservation, marine conservation here in the UK.
2: Can you tell us a little bit, how did a football loving uh, marine biologist end up living with his family in Southeast Asia?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, so um, for a long while, We always wanted to go uh, overseas because, I mean, let's be honest, it's nice, uh, the sea of Western Supermare, but it's a little bit nicer in Thailand or in Southeast Asia.
2: Great.
0: Yeah, you've got tropical reefs, you've got turtles, you've got sharks. So for anybody who's a marine biologist, you're thinking, yeah, I'd like to be over there. Okay. But it's not just about having a good time, is it? I mean, there are millions of fishing uh, communities out there uh, who don't know Christ. And so is there a possibility that you can uh, use your skills somewhere in a needy context? Well, yeah, my experience is, yes, there is. But there was always that tension, you know, is this just like a hobby? Or is this something as unusual as it is that God could actually use overseas? And constantly, you know, when we've been pushing doors, it seems like, yeah, God uses people of all shapes and sizes with all different passions. And then as we push doors, they seem to open. And so we've been able to, yeah, do some further study, work with a variety of NGOs, because there's just so much marine biology, conservation, livelihood potential out there. And so it's a good place to be. Um, And did you just go from sort of, you said you're working in
2: marine biology and conservation um,
0: here. Yeah.
2: Um, Was it just a straight jump then to full-time, long-term work uh, out in Asia?
0: No, it wasn't actually. I mean, there was, you know, you meet different people, don't you? Uh, Some people, they know exactly what they're going to go on to. Uh, We're not like that because we'd never actually been to Southeast Asia before we went long-term. So we really didn't know what it was like at all. Um, but we went, we learned the language where we live. And during that year of learning the language, a year or two, it gave us an opportunity to visit different people, different situations. And yeah, there, there are lots of openings there when you're over there. It's hard to see them when you're sat in front of your computer here in England. But when you're over there meeting people, things pop up. And so if you're prepared to kind of take a bit of a punt and go out there, then it's amazing the different doors that God opens. And then over time, I got connected with some NGOs that work in conservation out there. I also did some further study. That's the other thing I would just say to folks who are listening. Um, you don't need to have everything sorted here before you go out. I mean, those years that I spent studying in the country that I now live in, um but brilliant you go in as a learner you know i'm not going in as a teacher i'm first going in as a learner i'm getting under the skin of what the issues are things to do with poverty and environmental needs i mean there's massive climate change livelihood issues going on in southeast asia so let's learn about them and then as we learn we partner with people and god willing we can make a difference
2: i think that's really helpful because I think a lot of people, when they meet uh, those who are living and working overseas, they sort of assume that, that they're experts, that they're sort of special and, and, and really different, and they couldn't possibly do that because they haven't the foggiest uh, what, what they want to do in two, three, four years time. And it's really encouraging to hear that actually y- you can just take, take a step in the journey, go out, see, um, try learning something new. Um, and, and trust that God will 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 be with you in, in the midst of that, and may provide opportunities and openings. And I think that's a really encouraging uh, thing to kind of a normal person who thinks, "Well, I'm 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 not an overseas uh, worker. I couldn't do that. I, I don't know what I'd do." So,
0: yeah, totally. And just just to really kind of n- nail that point home, as it were, um, there are opportunities in so many countries in Southeast Asia. To to do further education. So perhaps some of the listeners, you got an undergraduate degree, you finished, maybe like to do a master's or a gap year or something like that. There are so many openings out there for you to study overseas. Okay, it might not be the same quality as Oxford University, but you get this whole life, cultural, intercultural experience, and you will be living in student accommodation amongst unreached unengaged people wow massive opportunities
2: uh, you, you live in a part of the world that has a a, a vastly different world view um, to to here. in you know, that the average person probably in the uk is is not used to being surrounded by people so different uh, to them um, i just wonder if you could Give us a little flavor of what it, of what it's like to, to have that transportation um, for sort of life and, and family. Um, the difference is practical, um, emotional.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's just so 180 degree different. You know, the climate is different. The culture is different. The food is different. The hours that people are awake in the day are different. The way of planning events, you know, we come back to Britain and uh, you meet your, your friends and say things like, oh, when can we meet? And they say, oh, let me check the diary. Three weeks next Tuesday. Whereas where we are, it's let's meet now. It doesn't matter what's planned in the diary. Let's do it now. <laughs> and so obviously that's very, very different, much more spontaneous um, out there. Um, and so, yeah, it does it does take time to adjust, actually. And And one of the hardest things, I think, is that you don't live life on your own terms. You are a guest in another person's culture. And so you have to fit in. So people take selfies of us all the time. And that's just what they do. And then like, our oh, selfie, selfie, selfie to my kids. And uh, yeah, my kids are on everyone's Facebook profiles. And you just kind of got to accept it. When you're living in much more of a communal culture... You're a bit more public property than you are here in the West.
2: What's it? What's it like? I guess sort of to to experience that. What What were the challenges that the, maybe that arose in the first first few years of, of experiencing that? Um, how How did you have to change your day to day life? That kind of thing.
0: Well, I remember like the first, uh, literally the first week we arrived. I mean, we'd never been in Southeast Asia before. I mean, it sounds totally stupid, do not it? You go out long-term when you've never been there before, but we felt it was the right thing to do. And so we went out and it was chaotic. Many Asian cities are busy, hectic, polluted, noisy, smelly places. And the only thing that looks familiar is McDonald's. (laughs) So like we go to McDonald's, you know, almost every day in the first week, just because it was the only normal thing, the Big Mac and the McFlurry. Um, but that was what it was like in the early uh, in the early days and weeks. You get you you do get through it, and then you get to know people, and that's the key. You know, you get to know one or two friendly people. Of course, there are people that want something, have an ulterior motive, but there are others who are just kind and hospitable. And you build up relationships, you build up a bit of language, you get through the uh, the, the stomach bugs and everything else. And then you start to feel more at home. Um, but it takes time. But as long as you've got time, that's all right. So um, living
2: where you do, we uh, have touched a little bit on, on, on some of the differences. I just wonder with, um, I guess, living in, in, in a Western Christianized um, context that, that the majority of us live in and, and even as, as culture around us shifts, that's still very much... Um, dominates a lot of worldview and thinking or, or a new secular uh, mindset maybe dominates here in, 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 in Britain. Britain. I wonder, um, what's it like living in a context where, where the worldview, where the, where the world religion um, sort of landscape is, is so totally different? Um, how, how, how does that feel? How does it maybe manifest it itself? Uh, what do you experience um, in day to day?
0: Well, in some ways it's refreshing and in some ways it's claustrophobic. So uh, it's refreshing because when you come from Britain and talking about religion is really taboo, isn't it? It's like the awkward person in the room that starts talking about religion. The room goes quiet and you just feel that sort of cultural pressure. Uh, And that's a stifling place to be a Christian when we have joy and we want to talk about these really significant things. You know, we don't just want to be talking about the latest IKEA cupboard we want to be talking about life to the full. So, so that's a context that sometimes we find ourselves in England. And then we go overseas to Southeast Asia. And there, the average person has a deeply spiritual worldview. And they're very aware of the eternal. They're very aware of the spiritual dimension. They they, they just find it absolutely ridiculous that many people in, in Britain don't believe in a God. They're they just... They don't get it. How can it be? How do they explain this world that we live in, they ask. And so suddenly you're in that context where people are talking about religion, but at the same token, uh, often they are taught to uh, not necessarily think for themselves. So what they believe about the world is what's been taught to them by their elders and betters. And so we, from a much more individualistic Culture who are like coming up wanting to read and challenge and ask questions and look at what this truth says against this truth, and how do you know it's true? You come up against uh, people who believe what they believe because they've been told it, and they are not actually often permitted to look at other things, and they are not encouraged to do so, and to do so puts them outside of that normal group in their culture. And often, their culture, one of the big values, is fitting in. Living like everybody else lives, getting married in the same way everybody else gets married, and believing what everyone else believes. So yeah, loads of opportunities in these cultures to talk about uh, Christ. And yet, the pressure for people not to change is probably greater than it is in the UK where people are free to be who you want to be.
2: I think I'm right in, in saying that in a conversation previous to this one, you, you told me that if I came uh, to stay with you uh, and I spent a bit of time just out and about meeting people, you, you, you told me that people would ask me three questions typically, um, is, is, am I right in recalling that? Um,
0: you asked you or you've remembered exactly right. So they will ask, what's your name? Where do you come from? And what is your religion? And that is the three questions that they will typically ask us. Now, um, yeah, so your name, your country, you probably answer rather normally. But your religion is an interesting one. We can uh, kind of shut the conversation down by saying, I'm a Christian. And then they will put you in that box. But probably their understanding of what that box is is, is just general Westerner. They might think Hollywood person, George Clooney or Madonna, that is what a Christian means. They might think Christian, loose lifestyle. And sorry to talk about this. They might think Christian, oh, that's someone promiscuous, someone who, who drinks alcohol and gets drunk. Because when they watch TV, and uh, there's a lot of uh, Western TV in East Asia, when they, when they watch that, That's what everyone's doing on the TV. And so then they say, well, that must be their religion. Because in their culture, their religion, uh, what people believe and how people act, they're they're, they're tightly connected. So surely it's the same in Britain as well. So instead of just giving them a straight answer, we will normally say something like, oh, we, we follow Jesus. And they'll say, well, what's that then? And it gives us space to talk about what following Christ is all about. And sometimes you we say, well, why don't you call yourself a Christian? And we can say, well, many people think that Christians are like this. But we want to show that actually when you follow Jesus, it's like this. So you want to, you want to have a bit more room to talk about what it really means to be a disciple rather than just be badged in a box, if you know what I mean.
2: What, what kind of questions might might then ask you if you said that if I if I came out to, to visit you and it's kind of spending some time in, in the market or something like that and somebody, yeah. somebody said and, and I said oh yeah I'm a I, I follow Jesus I'm a, I'm a follower of of, of Jesus and, and his teaching and his life um, what might what might they come back with what might I expect to hear from them is there a, a typical question that they'd follow up with or um, and and how might that conversation go
0: well i guess it depends on what their belief is you know if they come from a buddhist background they might start talking about uh, how uh, how you know how buddhists understand uh, jesus if they come from a, an islamic background they may start talking about uh, jesus in a long line of prophets and how they understand him perhaps a little bit differently to a christian viewpoint um so as as far as possible, what we try and do is um, take people's questions to what Jesus said about himself. I mean, the last thing we want to be doing is, is, is saying, your religion says this. You know, they'll say, my religion says this. And then we say, my religion says this. They just end up having some doctrinal debate. Now, what we're interested in is... What Jesus said, how Jesus described himself, the parables that Jesus used to describe the kingdom of God. So that's often what we use, actually. You know, we'll tell stories and we'll ask them to tell stories from the local culture. There are many stories in every culture about relationships between children and parents and how a wrong gets dealt with. You know, traditional parables, Cinderella, Snow White, that's what we've got here. Uh, but they have the same ones. So, can you tell me one of those stories? We might ask them or they might tell us one. And then there's an opportunity for us to share one of the stories that Jesus taught. The lost son. Yeah? The Pharisee and the tax collector. These are really significant stories that we can throw into a conversation. And do you see the difference then? We're not talking about my religion, your religion, like discussing doctrine we're actually discussing the parable of Jesus and what it means for us now. That is so much better.
2: Mm-hmm. There's some re- some really interesting things as, as you're speaking. Now, I, I was just thinking, um, how in many ways, um, your, your life, your experience, um, being overseas, like you said, different climate, the only familiar thing being McDonald's, um people's way of articulating themselves just being totally different and their understanding being being really really strange, having to learn new language, all of these things, much better snorkelling as well. Um, so the, the world seems very different, but at the same time as you speak, I think some of those things really resonate with, with me um, and are particularly probably something that I've experienced as I've grown and, uh, and tried to think through more how do I talk to people um, about about what I believe um, and it's, it's really easy like you say to say I'm a Christian and it, in your context maybe looks very different to what the misunderstanding is but I think still here in the West because often Christians end up in the media um, for for one reason or another usually bad usually they, they they're, they're shouting about something they don't like or they've been caught in some sort of um, act of hypocrisy um, or scandal um, So so when we tell people um, that we're Christians, they, that that's what springs to mind, or they think we're bigoted, or that we just hate everything, or that we we're killjoys, we don't have fun. They think of all the things we don't do. Um, and I've been quite struck recently by by how saying that oh yeah, I I follow Jesus, or, or or do you know about Jesus? Have you have you read um, one of the the life stories of Jesus? Is in some ways a much, much better thing pointing to people to go and read the Gospels for themselves. So have you read one of the life stories of Jesus rather than have you ever read the Bible? Um, and yeah, I just wonder, are there any other similarities that you see? It's really easy for us to hear your, your life and go, oh, wow. This, this is such an exotic lifestyle um, that this family leads. But wh- where do you see the, the actual, the similarities? The, the
0: yeah, I'm totally with you. And uh, because we do, uh, I do a normal job out in the country I live. And I'm also you know, trying to share Christ there, um, which is what most of my mates do back in the UK. Um, so we have a day job and we do that with integrity, do that to the glory of God. Um, and in and through that and outside of that, we want to uh, make Christ known. And there's all different ways to do that. And it's always fun to come back to England and to meet up with your friends and see how they are doing that here in the UK. But for me personally, the the most helpful uh, way that I've come to to view it is this really simple uh, thing that I've learned from Colossians chapter 4, verses 2-6. to All right, go and have a read of that if you're a listener here. It starts with, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And when you read that passage, I think it teaches us four things. uh, Well, three things, sorry. It teaches us to be available. It teaches us to be bold. And it teaches us to be creative. ABC, if you notice that, quite handy. Yeah? <laughs> so available, devote yourselves to prayer. Uh, do you know what that looks like? In my country in East Asia and in Britain, it looks like this. Lord, I want to be available for you today. And so I remember once uh, I was walking in Tesco's, I needed to pick up some medicine from the pharmacists uh, for my kids. You know, it's 10 o'clock at night. Anyway, as those uh, glass sliding doors opened, I found myself saying, Lord, I'm in a hurry, but I'm available for you. Anyway, go up to the pharmacist and would you believe it? He's not a believer, but his best mate is a missionary in Nepal. And all he wants to do, he's bored, it's 10 o'clock at night. He just wants to talk about how wonderful this friend is. And there it was. You know, I'm trying to buy a bit of cow for my kids (laughs) But actually, because I've prayed that prayer, Lord, I want to be available. Then actually, there's an act of will to be available when he brings up that conversation. And then, of course, it's the be the boldness. You know, when someone brings up a conversation, there's always a moment in every conversation where you can just play it safe or you can take it onto the next layer, level. So you can carry on talking about IKEA furniture or you can ask a good question, you know. Uh, yeah, and it depends on the context. But we can ask people good questions to find out what they think. And then that third C, being creative, Paul writes, make the most of every opportunity. And so there's not a one size fits all. Actually, I don't know how to reach the people I live with next door to me or the people I've just met uh, in the taxi. I, I don't know, so I'm gonna try. And then as you try to take a risk, you learn. And then we ask for God's help, Lord, how might I communicate you to this person? So living ABC is what I have to do in East Asia, and it's what we have to do in England, and it just starts very simply at the start of every day and in every situation to you know praying that silent prayer, Lord, help me to be available for you in this situation
2: uh, that's, that's really helpful. <laughs> um, I think that's something I'm definitely going to think about and, and start to, to bring into to, to my life and, and, and really pray about those things and, and have that intentionality, I guess, um, in, in my preparation, spiritually fit for the day and, and for opportunities. And, and it's funny, as you say, like the, the one thing you wanted to do is just kind of hurry home. Um, and it, it isn't it so often the way that the times when we feel least um, available, least um, bold or ready. Yeah, that's the times that that God opens, opens doors and uh, alongside that um, really helpful kind of reflection on the Bible, um, helpful prayer tips um, there and and ways of thinking, I wonder, are there any, what's the, maybe the practical thing that you've really learned from time in East Asia, what's the one practical thing about creating opportunity, I guess?
0: Well, I guess I always ask people. what is stopping you living ABC and what's stopping me living ABC and often it's fear actually, don't know what to say, uh, you know, if there's someone from a different country, different religion, I just, just feel awkward, clumsy, don't want to embarrass them or me. And uh, uh, so fear of busyness is another big one. I mean, I, I generally don't have many good gospel opportunities when I'm sat in front of my computer, um, tends to be when I'm outside with people um so that's that's another thing again being intentional about praying in the morning so so for me identifying what are these obstacles what's stopping me living like that and then you have gotta have a bit of accountability so i've got to have a friend who i can be honest with and say do you know what i just i do not want to talk about christ today but i, I know that's just totally rubbish will you pray for me will you help me um, and he might say, "Oh, why is that?" or what what you're preoccupied with let's pray about that, so then you 're freed up to be to be talking about Jesus, you know, so looking at these things and and in the West, I come back to Britain, and we 're so busy you know everyone's schedules are jammed packed that if something spontaneous happens it's almost like we don't have time or capacity to be able to to cope with that, so that would be one of my sort of uncomfortable pointers I guess for challenges for people here is uh, are you making time to spend with people who aren't believers uh, and if not you're probably not going to have many kind of gospel conversations you know Hmm. yeah I think that's
2: that's really compelling and it's something that um, in a book that that we've been reading at, at home um, one, of the, one of the phrases that came up I think was saying that we need to have um, habits and routines that that we that can be disrupted not that they can be we, we, we don't allow our, our our home routines to be destroyed um, by other people's ideas and, and what's going on and and the availability of our, of our family to to neighbors and friends and family but we do we do allow our lives to be disrupted um, and I personally found that quite challenging so I'm, yeah I'm one of those people who I never thought I'd find myself in that position where I think I really want to meet up with a friend or there's an opportunity here, but I'm not free for six weeks. Yeah. I used to like, when I met people like that, I used to pull my hair out and I find myself now five, 10 years down the road being that person. Yeah. And so I found that quite a challenging thing. We, we should allow our daily routines to be, to be disruptable um, to, to allow for interruption in life. And it sounds like that's something that you're saying. Actually, we need
0: to learn to be a bit more flexible, a bit more open. Totally, totally. So I mean, someone made me laugh the other week because they were just saying that the good Samaritan, like he's on the road to somewhere. Was he just like waiting to meet the guy that had been hit by robbers? Of course he wasn't. He's on the road somewhere. You know, he's going somewhere. But he stops and he does the better thing, which is to not go where he's supposed to go, but to help the guy that's got hit by the robbers. And So that was just a really helpful thing. we got mobile phones these days. We can use them. We can text someone and say, look, I've just met someone uh, on the street, homeless, who really needs a cup of coffee. I'm going to be late. Maybe it's difficult to do that with your boss. <laughs> but uh, probably if you're going uh, to a prayer meeting, people will be like, yeah, great. Good on you. We'll pray for you. Go for it.
2: Great. Um, are there any practical things that you found really helpful in in making connections in your um local community so i think again something that we that we found as a, as a family um living in in the uk um, and that i know others um uh friends from from church and, and elsewhere who is sometimes just find it really hard to get to know people um you've reflected a little bit on, on culture is different um where you're living at the moment in southeast asia um but is there anything that you think this is what's really helped me to get to know people Um, And that's a transferable activity or mindset.
0: Yeah. I mean, the first thing that springs to mind is hospitality, you know, having people around work, colleagues, staff, students, you know, having them round in your house to see how life operates to perhaps be part of family devotions. If you've got kids to see what you've got put on your walls um to just see how family life operates like people are amazed in my culture that I do the washing up well, that's no big deal is it but actually where we live guys don't do the washing up and so that is a challenge and they start asking well why and so if you can if you, yeah everyone can do it invite people into your homes that's what i'd say um that's the, that would be my top tip and i'm just so challenged by friends of mine here in the UK who are so hospitable and always have different friends, work colleagues in their homes. And and when that happens, when you spend that kind of quality time with people, they're at ease, they're enjoying nice food. And they're much more open to talk about about matters of faith, actually.
2: Now, by by training and and, and profession, you're you're a marine biologist. Um, It might come as a surprise to you that I'm not a marine biologist. Um, although I also love fish, but mostly catching them um, in small ponds, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> rather yeah. than rather than snorkeling after them uh, in the vast oceans. Um, and I imagine that many people listening uh, are also not marine biologists. Pro- probably at least a few of them won't be marine biologists. So I just wonder um, what might it look like to come and come and see where you live, um, short term, uh, or what opportunities might there. Be to, to live and, and exist longer term um, out in Southeast Asia
0: for, for the non-marine biologist among us. Well, yeah, I mean, people can consider a career change to become a marine biologist. No, no. Yeah. I, I mean, I've got friends who have all kinds of academic backgrounds, you know, people who teach physics, teach maths, uh, have agricultural back, backgrounds. so they could be involved in universities. People can come as students. Uh, people can come from a business background. There's just a lot of economic growth happening now in Southeast Asia. And so people who have businesses are in big demand. Um, doesn't he, You might think, oh, he's talking about a big, massive corporation. No, I'm not. People who have business skills, who have uh, yeah, experience starting a business or managing a business, we can use people like that. Um, I mean, there's always the classics, you know, English teaching. Um, which is just a big, it's what people want. So if you're interested in that, we can place you all over Southeast Asia uh, to teach English. Um, but you can also come if you don't have a career. Like I was saying earlier, if you just want to come for a few weeks, perhaps you've got Perhaps you're good at photography. You know, we always need media types to come out and do photography. Maybe you've got uh, some techie skills with designing apps or, social media i mean this is the massive growing area and there's so much witness that can happen through social media so i don't want to make it so broad that people are like well it's where, i don't know where i'd fit in but but just if you've got a skill and you've got a heart for sharing the good news or for being involved in service in some way come and have a word with us and we'll see whether we can place you somewhere it doesn't have to be your whole life it might be but it could be a week or two just to see what it's like out there and that has really really big positive impacts on uh, on your worldview actually when you see that other people have a very different way of living but the gospel can still impact them
2: great really exciting that so many different people could could come out um, for, for long term or, or for short term and, and really as, as you say, kind of opportunity for for anyone and uh, not that many excuses to, to not maybe give it a go. Um, perhaps there's people listening who, who aren't quite ready to, to go. Um, what would you recommend to them to be a, a, first, a, a first step or a next step in their journey and thinking about um, living somewhere else in order to make
0: Jesus better known? Yeah, well, the first thing I'd say is, is it's really about living for Christ here and now. So, so, you know, I don't want to make people feel guilty that everyone has to move from the UK over to Southeast Asia. I actually don't think that's going to happen. You know, it's probably quite a few are going to move. Um, but the big thing is, how are we living for Christ today? You know, that really is always the question today. Right now, when you listen to the podcast and you stop, you know, Lord, I want to be available for you. What have you got for me today? That's what he's always asking us too. So that's what I'm most interested in people living for Christ here and now, I mean, if you, if people are open to overseas work, uh, then you can be involved in quite a lot of outreach and connecting with international students on campus here in the UK. So um, organisations like Friends International are involved in hospitality for students and outreach events. I mean, there's all sorts of things that you can do that will give you a taster of cross-cultural mission while you're here in the UK. Um, and then, of course, you could read. I mean, that was one of the things that was significant for me, reading books, actually. Killing Fields, Living Fields was one of the classics out of Cambodia. Um, it just gives you that bigger perspective. The world's much bigger than your sort of town here in the UK. So get reading, look at you know, stuff on the web, um and if you can speak with someone who actually serves overseas maybe they come back on home assignment you can go to one of their talks that's one of the really great ways you know you have coffee with them and just ask what would it be like how might i fit in i've got these gifts these skills these talents could you use someone like me so i just say start the conversation and uh, see where it goes
2: all right um Kind of coming to the end, I guess now, um, unless there's anything you particularly think, oh, I'd really like to, to share about this. Um, I think actually one one thing um, that you maybe flagged at this day um, embarrassing cross-cultural um, experiences I'm, I'm sure you know as a well-prepared uh, worker out in Southeast Asia you've never done anything embarrassing but if anything springs to mind that maybe others have done uh, that you'd like to share It'd be great, <laughs> to, great always good to hear a funny embarrassing story oh
0: yeah well life is full of it life is full of it. I remember like when we just arrived uh, we were at language school and uh, you know we wanted to have time with our language tutor in a relaxed environment, not just in class. We said, hey, do you want to go out for noodles? She was like, yeah, sure. Uh, and then we said, all right, let's go out on Wednesday. So then on, on Wednesday, she said, uh, is it all right if some of the other teachers from school come? And I said, yeah, sure, why not? And uh, anyway, so Wednesday evening, we get to the noodle place and there are 30 people there. Okay, there's 30 people there. And, uh, and then the, the head of the language school stands up and says, thanks for inviting us. Can we order anything on the menu? And at that moment, the penny dropped. I was paying for all 30 people. <laughs> and I had like a fiver in my pocket. Like, what do you do? So I, I got serious case of the sweat, you know, and I was like, oh, goodness me. So I, so everyone ordered and I had this like, you know, smile. Yeah, have whatever you like. <laughs> anyway, I excused myself to go to the toilet via the ATM. And like, I ran up the hill and then 20 minutes came back like soaking wet with sweat. And, they, and everybody, everybody finished their meals and they were like, is everything all right? And I'm like, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> pa- paid the bill <laughs> and then went home. So, so that was really fun. Um, but, you know, so much stuff like that happens and uh, it's all right. It's all right. We make mistakes. And I guess that's the other thing that I'd say also in terms of sharing the good news you're much more likely to have people reject what you say. You know, nine times out of 10, 99 times out of 100, um, people are polite and they'll say, no, thank you. or well, they're not interested. But we're looking for that one in 100. So, you know, it's, it's okay to fail, to make mistakes, but we've got to keep trying. So I, I guess I want people to be able to, to get up again off the mat and have another go and live another day. That's what I just say to encourage people.
2: Great. That's really brilliant. Um, just wondering, is, is there any way that we could, we could pray be praying for, for, for your life, your, your ministry? Is, is there anything that you think, yeah, as this podcast ends, actually, if, if people could hold this thing up in prayer it can be specific or general.
0: You know, it's for us and also for, um people in the UK you know I just always find myself praying for encounters you know Tim Keller he he talks about the three ways that people come into the kingdom they come through truth they come through community and they come through encounter and uh, yeah I'm just always asking God that people would have more encounters and sometimes in our context that means having dreams uh, or that means healings from sickness and Yeah, I guess it's up to the Lord, isn't it? We ask him to do it. And sometimes he doesn't do it quite in the way that we expect or in the people that we hope he will. But if people could be praying, yeah, Lord, we want more encounters, more other people to encounter you. uh, Both in Southeast Asia, where I live, but also in the UK. And then just see what happens, see what he does
2: thanks a lot rob for for coming on on the podcast thanks for for speaking to us and sharing a little bit about about your life and, and your story um it's it's been a great great time i hope that you've enjoyed it yeah it's been fun it's been
0: great come back another time hopefully
2: great thanks a lot cheers
1: Chris, that, that was a great conversation uh, with Rob. Um, what, what were the main things that you think you're going to take away for, from that conversation?
2: Yeah, I mean, I really just enjoyed having that chance to sit down uh, and chat to him some more and, and just to hear a little bit more about his story uh, and ca- catch up with him again. And I think one of the first things that really strikes me, and it says I reflect upon that conversation with Rob, but also other conversations that you've had here on the podcast, and think about people like the first episode we ever recorded the podcast of of chatting to joel and -hmm. hearing about radio ministry uh, in cambodia or chatting to levi and his work with with students and his experience of of sort of social media and and blogging and and then we chat someone like rob who is is marine biology's his background and i'm just always really excited to see how how as rob reflected himself like god can use just all different people yeah everyone doesn't have to be the same yeah and God's also more than capable of using your maybe sort of quote-unquote normal skills mm. the things that people might not think are great ministry opportunities mm. oh that's not a great foundation for evangelism being good at swimming underwater and looking at fish yeah. or yeah throwing a frisbee or playing football these things maybe sometimes you think they're not good enough to make me useful
1: yeah because so often you when you think of it's so easy to think of when you think of missionary and you you have this image in your head and go oh because I'm not like that or because I don't have this type of temperament uh, maybe I'm an an introvert or that kind of thing um I don't have the skills or the the personality to to be involved in kind of cross-cultural ministry um so I, th- I found that really helpful as well. Just, just trying to like, as I talk to more people on the podcast, and especially listening to this conversation, yeah, just like, oh, like you can't, you, you don't need to disqualify yourself because you're not like that one interaction you had with a missionary once who came and spoke at your church. Um, there's so many, and also there's so many ways that you can get connected in. Um, yeah, I found that really helpful as well.
2: Yeah, I think like reflecting on that also just again, excites me about, the organization that we're, we're a part of, mm. and to be able to see, yeah, OMF is so, is so big. And it's one of the things, I guess, like we started off talking about what's what our job, and, and our job is trying to communicate who OMF is. And sometimes that's so hard because yeah. it's so big, and people live in so many different places, and, and are, are sharing Jesus with so many different people, and, and come from so many different backgrounds. And so it's really exciting though, to, to have a chance to chat about those, those kind of things. Um, and I think the, uh, alongside that was that whole kind of you don't need to have it together uh, to get started. And I think it's really striking that um, Rob and his family, they just went. Yeah. <laughs> he says like, we just went long term and you might think that's crazy. Yeah. And yeah, that's not always necessarily our, our experience, is it? It's, um, we like to dip our toe in the water or like try something out and be sort of ready for it to maybe not work. And that's fine. And sometimes that is for some people, like that that's how that's how we operate. We're not necessarily massive risk takers. But also sometimes it's okay just to kinda of go all in. Yeah. And just go like, right, just gonna do this and I'm gonna commit. In in their case, like probably four years at least. We're gonna do this for four years. And I think sometimes maybe having those bigger goals and really stretching ourselves and saying, like, right i don't know those people who i live next door to or the guys in the flat above or my friends at university right for the next two years i'm just i'm going to do everything i can to get to know them better and to share jesus with them that's really exciting to kind of just go for it and it's not not like i don't have a perfect plan i haven't got like i'm going to do this and then i'm going to do that and that will take me to here and then the next step will be this and once i've completed that i can move on it's just like no. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna go and learn as I go. That's exciting.
1: Yeah, and what I like about that is that's not just something that has an implication for maybe maybe next year you'll go and do this thing, but actually it impacts you today. Like, yeah. and it's so easy to disqualify yourself with so many things, or to or to talk yourself out of doing something. Mm-hmm. Like the example you said, it's like it's easy to like not talk to your course mates because you think oh, you end up saying people's nos for them. Like I won't invite them to that to that church event, or I won't talk to them about this, or mm um so it's not just like as it applies to long-term mission but in the the day-to-day of discipleship as well yeah And, and the other thing that i found really helpful was was the abc that he drew out as well i thought that was that was really good and that like that's something that was working for him in in that totally different context to ours but actually totally applies to us here like so a being available like that's a real challenge like am i on a daily basis, saying to God that I'm available and willing to to be used by you mm-hmm. for the purposes of sharing your gospel, um yeah. And what was that one? It was B. It was um, B. Is boldness. Yeah, boldness. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and I think that's a great thing. And I think we all know, or well, most of us probably probably know, we're not bold. Yeah. And I think. We're possibly like worried about praying to be bold because God answers prayer because then you might
1: answer it, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: (laughs) And um, yeah, I think that's that's really great to yeah just to pray for boldness in in the midst of that availability. So pray pray for opportunities, and then pray that when they come up, I'm I'm going to take them, and then the the creativity, the fact that I'm then gonna I'm going to see the opportunity gonna be ready to take it and I'm gonna have an, an angle I guess how am I going to introduce Jesus into this conversation how am I going to share a little bit more of my life and my faith with this person in this time
1: yeah and also like the creative aspect of that speaks into how the gospel isn't just like a really simple formula like okay I'll share the gospel with them because I told them X Y Z and then this thing happened but the gospel is 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 so big Um, and like meeting people where they're at and trying to figure out okay what are the questions they're asking rather than just like speaking the same message regardless of like without thinking about what how might they receive this is this going to be unhelpful is this going to be unclear for them to understand Um, and yeah just being aware of of the context that you're speaking into um, it's crucial isn't it Um, yeah like you, you need to be aware of your audience and think how can i connect best to this person um i need to be creative about that that's um i thought that was a really good point
2: yeah and i thought it was great just to kind of see that that might also be really messy yeah it might come at times when you don't want it to be which i guess is partly that available thing and so rob Rob telling that story of 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 going to the pharmacy yeah late at night you're just trying to sort out something he's just trying to get stuff for his kids and get home but, yeah, that prayer of, of being available is answered and you're in this situation. And, yeah, he probably wasn't giving like a, here's a three-point gospel outline. Oh, this is the stuff that I learned in, in Bible college. Or these are the things that, yeah, that my someone taught me to, to always tell people about, about Jesus. But it's just like, listen to his questions, listen to what he's thinking, reflect back some of that and and maybe have that opportunity to share how you see things a little bit differently i think that's really really exciting
1: yeah so a lot to get out of this episode really interesting perspective from any from the context of east asia but applying right to the uk um it seems like we certainly got a lot out of it and um and we really hope that you listeners at home got a lot out of it as well We hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode of the Serve Asia podcast. If you have any questions, feedback or anything else, then we would love to hear from you. You can get in touch by emailing uk.podcast at omfmail.com or you could send us a direct message on Instagram at Podcast. If you'd like to support the podcast, then do share it with anyone you know who has a heart for sharing Jesus cross-culturally and also a five-star review on iTunes goes a long way as well. Thanks for listening and see you on the next episode. Thank you.